Hello everyone and thank you for joining this session of Amazing Love entitled Five Ways You May Be Destroying Your Marriage. My name is Trina Harrison and thank you again for supporting the ministry of Amazing Love. It really means a lot to me to help marriages survive. I myself am married to the J.J. Harrison of J.J. Harrison and Youthful Praise and believe it or not, um, myself and, and JJ did not start off in a very good place. Our marriage was very tumultuous for the first 10 years, I would say, or maybe a little more. Um, our marriage was just not in a good place at all. Mind you, I was very, very young when we got married. So I found myself at an early age searching the scriptures and finding out that healing not only applied to our bodies and our minds and our spirits, but healing applied to marriage as well. So here I am some 23 years later, still trying to encourage people to fight for your marriage. And and the reason why I chose the title five ways you may be destroying your marriage is because I feel like we give the enemy too much room or we give the enemy too much credit for what's going on in our marriages today. We always say that the enemy did this, he did that, and he caused this and he caused that, or some of it may be our actions. Now, I do believe that if we give the enemy the opportunity, he will use these things to destroy our marriage. But the thing is to take the power out of the enemy's hands by controlling our actions and our words and, and controlling how we treat one another. And then that way, we're not giving him anything to to play with or anything to allow to destroy our marriages. So I came up with these five things, but in my heart, I am praying that you hear from God. Maybe there's something that I have not listed that the Lord will lay upon your heart and you will find yourself maybe apologizing to your spouse or, you know, just trying to do things differently so that we can all have amazing love. God's love is just amazing. So whenever you apply that to the nastiest of situations, whenever you apply God's amazing love to anything, uh, you'll do nothing but have positive results. So that's what we're after today. So I just want to go through a few things. Um, number one on my list in a way that you may be destroying your marriage is by not showing your husband or your wife enough attention. Now I'm not talking about the unhealthy attention where you have someone who's a very needy person that may be stemming from somewhere else. I'm just talking about giving them attention as your husband, as your wife, someone and something that you're in a relationship with, you treat. Marriage is a live organism. If you can look at it like that, it's a live being and anything you do not feed will go into starvation mode. Anything you do not uh, love on and make sure that you're nurturing it, it will go into a starvation mode. And I feel like a lot of our marriages are in starvation mode because we're not feeding one another. We're not giving each other words of affirmation. We're not loving on each other enough. We're not just sitting down with electronics off and just communicating with each other. If you go back to the time that you were dating this person and everything was all about impression, you called them, you text them, you wrote them letters, you sent flowers, you did whatever you had to do to show that person the proper attention to get them to know, hey, I love you and I want to build my life with you. And I think what happens is that over time we get very, very comfortable or, you know, we start looking into careers or we're serving at church or, you know, there's a... 
we have kids. There's a lot of different things that take away our attention from actually feeding our marriage. So I think what we need to do is get back to maybe just setting aside a couple of hours a day, whether it be the very top of the day, a lunch break, or just some time alone before you fall asleep at nighttime, where it's just you and your spouse, and you're able to create those moments. I'm all about creating these moments that last in your heart forever. And even if I can't hear from my husband, because we're working or something like that, I can always reflect back to what he said earlier that day. Or, you know, I can expect that he'll text me sometime during the day, just a simple I love you or just something to draw our attention and our minds back towards each other. So I hope you can find yourself in some of that and just make sure you're giving your husband and your wife the attention that they actually need. Another way where we could be starving attention is our children. Some of us spend so much time with our children until we negate that time with our spouse. Now, trust me, my, I love my children. I have three beautiful children. They are priority in both JJ and my life. And I do believe that children are a gift from God. But children are also seasonal in the sense that when they become 18 years old, 20, 21, um, depending on the maturity of your child, they will go off to college and then they will themselves start their own lives with their spouse. I believe that God gave us these children during this season so that we can plant those seeds of what a marriage should look like. I watched the show 19 Kids and Counting and they were doing an interview with Michelle Duggar and God bless her heart with 19 kids. She said, I still have to prioritize my marriage. My marriage comes first because these are the images that I want my daughters to see when they grow up. I want them to see this is how you should treat your husband as priest of the house. And this is what you need to do to make sure your house is in order before you go out and do everything else. And likewise, you want your sons to see, okay, this is how, this is what I'm looking for in a wife. And, and same for the husband, you want your son to say, okay, this is the way I need to treat my, uh, my wife and my children. So all of this is planting seed time when we have children. You see children and they don't have good relationships in schools and wherever they may go, if they don't know how to form good relationships and have healthy communication, nine times out of 10, it's because they didn't have those models at home. So if we would start looking at our children as sponges and whatever they see, not so even so much of what you say, but whatever the child sees is what they internalize and what they will then model as they grow older. So looking at your child in the way that you are pouring into them, pouring life facts and, and, you know, how to get along in life, you're pouring that into them as you go along. Another way that we're starving each other from attention, and this also ties into my next point, is lack of praise, especially for men and women who are in ministry and in high profile jobs. Everybody knows me, knows that I love my husband. I think he is beautiful. Um, I think he's like the best looking man roaming the face of this earth. And you know what? I have to be honest with myself and say that somebody else probably thinks the same way I do. There's some woman somewhere who thinks my husband is amazing. Um, and although she's standing in the crowd singing, you deserve it. And, you know, waving her hand and worshiping God, I'm not foolish enough to think that she does not have a fleshly side and that she's praising him on. And how 
empty would he feel if he came home and did not receive the same level of praise that he gets while he's ministering or while he's on his job or wherever he's at. And nine times out of 10, we mostly work with the opposite sex. Now, there are some people who, you know, a female may work around all females or, uh, you know, a male may work around all males. But nine times out of 10, you're working around the opposite sex. And, and that seems to be the majority. So in those cases, in those situations, uh, wives and husbands both, we have to make sure that we are giving our husbands and our wives the praise that they deserve. Now, I, I know like my husband doesn't walk around the house singing. So I'm not, you know, sing, bae, do this. Whatever he does in the home, I often use taking out the garbage as an example. I praise him for that. The garbage could be running over. You know, I may have to ask him two or three times. But when when he does take it out, you are the best garbage taker outer for lack of a better term. But you understand what I'm saying. If your husband lays carpet, oh, honey, you lay that carpet so well. It's so plush when you do it. You know, whatever you whatever you can find, the Bible speaks of that. Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is noble, whatever is of good character. These are the things that we should think on. And these are the things that we should also celebrate our spouse in. I've noticed with affairs and things like that, it seems to be that whoever is the mistress or whoever that third party is, your your spouse may gravitate to that person because of the fact that they praise them and they realize the good qualities. And even if the qualities that they're picking out are not so good, they will still um, fluff it up. They will still give it the attention it deserves. And I'm not saying that that's right. I'm not saying that it's healthy. I'm just saying, again, you may be destroying your marriage by not applying the attention and, and not giving your spouse the praise that they deserve. Look, I want us to realize that God is a relational God. Um, if you look at it from the very beginning, it was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? All three are one. There's a relation there. And when God created marriage, he said they're one flesh. They're two people. We all know that. But there's one flesh. God loves relationships. He loves for us to be connected with one another. He loves for us to feed on and praise each other as we should. If you look at it in that instance, it gives you to know that when you're in relationship with someone, you have to give them the proper attention and the proper recognition that they deserve. I pray that you're being blessed by this. I'm going to move on to the next one, which is criticism. Oh, we, women especially have a hard time with this because all of this is in my opinion. But women have a hard time with this because usually we are in a motherly role. You're used to giving orders, you're used to saying, you know, go do this, go do that. You know, you're just giving out orders and you didn't do this right. And I'm trying to show you this. And I think we forget somewhere along the line where to turn that off when we start speaking to our mates. And then we'll look at the things that our mates have done and we'll start criticizing it instead of either leading by example. There are certain things that I may not like that my husband does, but rather than harping on them and zoning in on that, let me tell you, criticism to me, and all this, although this may sound corny, but criticism tears at a relationship like mice tear at cheese. And before you know it, if you hold up that piece of cheese, it has these holes in it. And those holes represent the feelings that were once there. 
Where there was once patience, where there was once loving words, where there was once kindness. Now you have holes because criticism has tore into those things and and basically destroyed them. So then you're sitting back two or three years later and you're like, wait a minute, I don't feel like I'm in love with this person anymore. And it's not that you're not in love with the person anymore. It's just that all those areas of criticism have eaten away those little butterfly feelings that you used to get when you thought about your mate or those loving feelings that you used to get when you thought about your mate. That stems from criticism. There's always a better way to go about something that you've said more than one time. And it's not to say that the person is being rebellious, but you have to consider the fact that we are two different people. There are things that make Trina, Trina. There are things that make JJ, JJ. Uh, We came from two separate environments. No married couple has the same mom or dad. Some of us have different cultures. Some of us wash clothes this way. Some of us do the dishes this way. And then all of a sudden you come together and you find that, wait a minute, he doesn't do things the way I do it. Does it make your method right? Does it make his method wrong? So, and in showing someone how to do things, you may have to show them or tell them more than once. Just like when you're training up a child to walk or something, that child falls, you pick the child up again. You don't criticize the child and say, oh, you're never going to know how to walk. You're not supposed to step on your foot. And you don't do that. You lovingly embrace the child. You pick the child up again and you say, no, honey, one foot in front of the other. This is what we're going to do until the child gets. Now, I'm not calling spouses children. I'm just saying it takes a training mode to get into when you're asking someone to do something a different way. And rather than criticizing that person, like I said, there may be a better method of getting the job done. So let's make sure we're not criticizing our spouses too much. (laughs) Another dangerous thing that could be happening to destroy your marriage is comparison. Comparison is very, very dangerous, first of all, because it starts in your mind, but then it can actually have some effects on your behavior. And those are the things I want to talk about. I heard someone say, and this this saying is very, very true. If you think someone's grass is greener on the other side, it means you really need to start watering your own. Okay, don't look over the fence. Don't marvel at what they have. You saw it. It looked nice. Make yours just as beautiful, if not more. Don't hop that fence and go over there. First of all, you don't know what it took to get that grass green. And the images that you're seeing in your head have a root. You don't know what that root is. You don't know what's going on underneath all of that to see the polished picture that you have now. So here you are in your head comparing your spouse to what you see on TV, what you see, you know, in day-to-day images. Your com- that comparison starts in your mind. And then you show that by becoming angry or by becoming frustrated. And let me tell you why, because comparison sets you up for unrealistic expectations. All of a sudden, you're expecting this person to do something, to say something, to have a swag, to have a to have an image that that person, they don't even know how to do. It's not in their nature to even be anyone different. But it all started with something that you saw in your mind. Not only do I think that's not fair, again, it starts up unrealistic expectations, but then it only disappoints you. 
you walk away frustrated and all of a sudden you will have this cycle of dissatisfaction. It's a continuous circle. It starts with number one, you seeing an image. Number two, you're asking someone to conform to an image that you see. Number three, you get frustrated because the person is not conforming. Number four becomes arguments, withdrawal. All of a sudden you can't even stand to be in the room with this person. So again, you see the image. Then you expect someone to be something that you saw and they're not doing it. You get angry, you get frustrated. Then all of a sudden there's arguments. It's a continuous cycle of dissatisfaction based on an image that you don't even know the work that it took to put before your face. Comparison is dangerous. It leads into jealousy. It leads into lust. It leads into covetousness, which are all sins listed in the Bible. So not only do you need to ask for forgiveness to your spouse, you you have to do some soul searching yourself and find out what it is that I need to cut off. Maybe I don't need to watch that reality show. Maybe I don't need to, you know, be involved in certain groups and certain things because it puts the wrong image in your head and you're not able to handle that image without trying to change what you have now. And believe me, change is good. If there's some areas in your marriage where you feel like change is appropriate and there's some different things you want to do fine let's have a comfortable healthy conversation with your spouse and lay out these things and see how we can work towards them if it's at all possible another thing or another big issue that could lead into destroying your marriage is attitude you know I have to take my time a little bit on this one because I think this the whole clapback season the whole having a quick one-liner The whole being able to tell you off before you tell me off and the damaging words and and stuff like that. That is so dangerous. It really, really is. And this whole attitude thing, you know, about I am who I am. You can't change me and all that. That affects your relationships daily. It affects people on your job. It could affect your parenting skills, your attitude. It is not fair that one person's attitude can govern the whole household. And here's what I mean. In most households, if the woman is having a great day, the entire house is having a great day. Likewise, if the woman is having a bad day, the whole house is affected because of your bad day. Is that really fair? Is it fair that one person can temper the whole entire household? It's not. And again, if we're looking at children, this is what your children are going through. It's like this roller coaster ride. I don't know whether to talk to her. I don't know what the response is going to be that all of a sudden your children are feeling scared and, you know, don't know if they want to talk to you based on what your attitude is. It's just not a good way to be. And I hope no one gets offended by me bringing this up. But I think women have to be very, very careful not to use your monthly cycle as an excuse to have an attitude. Listen, women have been getting monthly cycles since the beginning of time. We all know what it feels like. We all know what it entails, but it's still not an excuse. I have an iPhone and on my iPhone, there's an app and I can track my mood and everything else so that the following month, I know when I start feeling a little bit off. And I know I have to temper, I have to pay a special attention to my attitude, to the way I talk, because I don't want to seem short, to my demeanor, because I don't want to seem as though I'm not in a loving 
mood, this may take a little bit more work than it does around that time, around monthly cycle time. Tempering your attitude takes a little bit more work, but it's something that you can do. Now, much respect to those who have medical situations and you have to take supplements and everything because that time of the month gets really, really drastic for you. I've heard that before, but I still don't want us to use that as an excuse. You have to have self-control. You have to be able to maintain a good attitude in your household because it's not just affecting you. It's affecting everyone around you and the people that you're responsible for. The next area that I want to focus on is our unwillingness to compromise. You know, I mentioned earlier that we both come from two different backgrounds. Um, The makeup of who we are, again, are just a product of our environment, how we grew up, what our parents showed us, all those learned skills that we get very early on in life makes us who we are. And it's not to say one person's way of doing things is wrong. And it's not to say one person's way of doing things is right. That's where compromising comes in because you always want to see things from a different perspective. Maybe doing things a different way will be more helpful to you if you will allow and if you are a teachable person, maybe those things might be beneficial to you in learning new methods and new ways of doing things. Some of us have walls up so high on whether we're protecting ourselves, protecting something, and we're unwilling to compromise. And in a marriage, that becomes very, very difficult because although we are one flesh, we are two different people. In order to get that one flesh, there has to be a coming together. And this is more than just in a sexual sense. It's more than in a spiritual sense. It's in the natural. Sometimes you're going to have to come together by way of compromise so that things can get done the same way. I advise you if you are suffering with something that you have a wall up on and you're very stern against, I I really admonish you to reevaluate what that is. Maybe sit down and talk to a therapist or something that you can go over that because not only will that hurt in your relationship with your spouse, but it could it could hinder you from future jobs and from, you know, future career moves. When people find that you are not workable and you're unwilling to compromise on certain issues, it could really stunt your growth in going further in whatever your heart's desire is. So like I said, all of these things, although they may be destroying your marriage, they could very well be destroying your life. So it's very critical to take note of these these areas and make sure that you're giving yourself room to grow and giving yourself room to learn in all of them. Let me tell you, you have to treat marriage like it's a living organism. And it is. Our vows say to death do us part, meaning that nothing can separate us but death. Something has to die in order to separate us. What is it that you're allowing to die in your marriage instead of feeding it and, and allowing it to live and become a living organism and grow and learn from. You have to evaluate those things so that your marriage can live. You have to feed your spouse the things that you're starving them in in your marriage. I pray that something we have said today touches you in a way like never before, because ultimately we want to please God. And in doing so, God pays special attention to our marriages because he created marriages. Marriages are supposed to be a model. It's supposed people from the world are supposed to look at marriages as an example of Christ 
undying love and undying dedication for us, his church, which is the body of Christ. So I pray that you are living these things out in your daily life behind closed doors, even more so than in front of everyone else, because behind closed doors is really what matters. So I thank you for listening. Please follow us on Amazing Love with JJ and Trina. If you have any questions or anything, please feel free to drop us a line and let us know you care and how this ministry is helping you. Once again, five ways you may be destroying your marriage. But if God placed something on your heart, make sure you are working on that and make sure you're making the necessary changes to see your marriage survive. Marriage works if you work it. Thank you so much for listening. God bless.